You're listening to Literally, the podcast where you literally get a complete behind the scenes peek at a one-on-one business coaching relationship and the transformation that unfolds over the course of six months. I'm your host, Lacey Seitz, business mentor and success coach and the founder of A Lit Up Life. These are recordings of actual coaching sessions with one of my clients where you get to experience her journey right along with her and gain insight into building your own lit up life and the business that you desire. Hey guys, welcome to our final session of season five of the podcast. I really can't believe this is our last session and I'm just so, so grateful for this journey that we've been on and to Erica for everything. Really excited for you to listen to this session, Erica, and I kind of joke in it that she sort of like leaves with a bang in a sense, like <laughs> really leaves all her vulnerability on the table in this last session. And, and she really does. And she brings us so much goodness here. And I'm just so grateful to her for that. So if you have struggled with money challenges, feeling safe around money, handling money as you grow, trusting yourself with money, anything related to that, this is going to be so, so valuable for you. So let us know what you think. Definitely please go send Erica some love and enjoy the session. All right. Last podcast session. How you feel it? Uh, it's crazy that it's been almost six months. If- Amazing. It's so crazy. It's like insane how time flies, right? Yeah. I remember after like four or five sessions, I was like, oh my God, so much time has passed. And then it feels like, boom. <laughs> yes. Well, it, to be fair, I think you did take that one month break <laughs> So there, at the beginning. So there was like time, but yeah, it feels like it's like skyrocketed, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I can't believe it's already December. This is the last session and um, so much has happened, but it feels good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful, we're at a beautiful place to uh, close the podcast chapter and get to, um, you know, leave everyone with some, some beautiful conversations. So I know today you want to talk about money, money mindset, all things money. Your questionnaire was like money, money, money. money. <laughs> <laughs> so give me a little rundown what's going on well I think it's first of all now I just realized that it was probably the first conversation we had as well so it's interesting that we yeah. circle back to that in the last session for at least for this container um mm-hmm. but it all also feels uh it also it's a topic that's um present uh in my mind because I'm coming up um towards the end of the year so the end of the financial year so um yeah there are you know there's planning that needs to take place conversations around money um i need you know, all of that what do we do with all this money that's in the bank account now which is wonderful <laughs> Uh, like a new set of problems kind of um or not problems but just new conversations that need to be had with do we leave it in the business do like do i spend it all so i don't have to pay taxes um <laughs> like what uh what amount of money do i want to I- invest for example um and then planning that needs to go into that like do i need do i want to set up a um an investment account within my business and so invest money do i what what amount what percentage um 
do I want to, uh, yeah, all those things. And so, so that's on my mind and I feel like, um, just time flies. It's already December 8th and, and, um, I need to figure this out within three weeks. Um, and then, which is good in a way because a deadline sometimes make me do things that I feel are uncomfortable and I want to avoid, but exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of good. Um, but then I did, I also did this, um, I kind of feel like I'm going to have a vulnerability hangover after all of this, but fuck it. Let's just go there. <laughs> <laughs> limit up for the last, the last podcast session. Really, <laughs> really limit up. Exactly. Fuck it. <laughs> um, but I attended this workshop on Monday um, and this teacher, this woman talked about money in the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting. And this is where it gets quite, uh, I mean, everything that we talk about on this podcast is personal, but um, it was really interesting because she made the comparison or like she created this related money and uh like love or like money and attachment attachment Mm -hmm. theory um and it was very interesting because what we talked about in the in the beginning of our journey together in the first session or whatever it was was really uh, a lot around the like the social nervous system of how you know when I make more money how am I going to fit in like do I not belong to the group like the nurses like I'll leave you know I'll yeah I'll be disloyal to the nurses and like all the whatever mid- low mid- middle class people and um and people pleasing like paying for everything like well how do I now how am I now responsible for everything and now oh, it's scary to earn more and all of that. And so I feel like I've moved through that quite a lot. um, And that doesn't feel so charged anymore. But then when she talked about the attachment styles and money, it was very, uh, yeah, just very eye-opening. Like I have a pretty avoidant attachment style, which... Um, if you're mm-hmm. familiar with Stan Tatkin's work, when he calls them waves, um, I'm very wavy with a with a dash of no, sorry, I'm a very I'm an island um, with a dash of wave. Like <laughs> I, I always yeah. thought I was very mm-hmm. securely attached until I realized that I'm far from it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very self deceptive. No, um, not quite or, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I'm very much an island, and when it yeah. when it comes to money, it's like um, I want to hold on to it. Like I want, I I must make sure that I have. I, I my I put my needs first. I want to make sure that I'm really taken care of. So everything I have, I just want to hold on to. Um, and that goes for for like savings and stuff as well. Like I hate losing money, and it scares Mm -hmm. the shit out of me and so in terms of like investments and even with my business like investing in my business I I find it hard like I'd rather have what I have and not risk losing it uh rather than risking some with the potential of making more or like expanding 
I haven't really done a lot of investments mm-hmm. in my in my business. Like even this, I was like, I'll just get on the podcast so I don't have to like risk losing money, right? Mm-hmm. I'll just <laughs> because yeah. of the deal and how it's set up. Yeah. Um and uh and I find it I find it really hard to see it as a uh like a a transaction where she said, if you're an anchor and you're securely attached, you feel more comfortable with fluctuations. You know, you'll be fine. You'll know you'll be okay with, you know, no matter how much you have or much you don't have. And just really being like anchored in trust and safety. Um, mm-hmm. And so in the last few months, I've been diving into understanding my my love attachment style more and we've been mm-hmm. doing this work and so i really see how how this shows up in in money conversations like i'm totally avoidant i just want to run away and just want to you know put my head in the sand and avoid it and all of that so i feel like i've been yeah all of these thoughts have been circulating in my mind and yeah and I have this nagging thought, like maybe I need to lose lots of money to be <laughs> feel safer with not having. But that doesn't feel like the way <laughs> I want to go about it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. What do you? What would make you that feel different? Like if you lost a bunch, mm. why would that be different? Because you'd have the evidence, basically, mm. that you were okay. Mm. Maybe, and that I can make it back, and that I'll be fine, and. I'll still be able to pay rent and put food on the table and all of that stuff. But it's so interesting. Can I tease you a little bit there? <laughs> yeah, you're welcome to tease me. <laughs> Do you see how that's just avoidance too? Like if it just all went away, I could avoid dealing with like it's kind of the same thing. Like it's such a it's such a trap for your brain to be like, oh, it would feel better because of this, this, and this. But it's actually just like a sexy way to avoid it, kind of. Because you're like, well, if I lost it, I wouldn't have to deal with all this shit. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thought I had about the launch. Like, I'd rather know that not a lot of people are going to sign up. So I have to deal with the discomfort yep. of, like, sitting with, like, making decisions and making risk calculations and reflect and... Yeah, like make make tough decisions and have not tough conversations, but like challenging conversations around this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and if I want to keep growing my business, which I do, and if I want to keep growing personally and, you know, not just be okay with what I have, but create a better future for me and my family and my my son and all of that, then... Being avoidant is not going to help. Well, I think what's what it's helping you see is like in many ways you've sort of like nailed the top layer shit. Like you can do the launches. You can do the thing. Like even seeing Pleasure Treats launch totally turn around and all of that. Like you've really like shown yourself the evidence that it's not that. And so it's almost kind of forcing you to be like, oh, but all this stuff lives under the surface of that that I have to handle, right? Yeah, and I go into total, like, not trauma response, but, like, it feels so jarring. With having to make all those decisions right now, what is the the big fear associated with that? Is it just, like, 
I'll get it wrong or is it all lose money? Or like, what do you think is that piece there that when you listed out all of those things that feels the most like, oh my God, worst case scenario? Being wrong? Yeah, getting it wrong. Yeah, I think that's where the really like, again, it's... It sounds a little exaggerated to use the word trauma, but I it just it's such a big recurring theme in in me that I'm afraid to be wrong, I'm afraid to do wrong, like it's like this good mm-hmm. girl like I was, you know. Yeah. Never like the only time I really did like bad stuff was when I was living in Australia. Like, I was so far away from people that truly mattered to me that I could like mm. do do bad stuff or like do wrong, but it wouldn't like yeah impact me like my parents were hard. It wouldn't yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um and I I get super, super activated, super triggered when I get accused. You know, by my partner, for example, if he says I did something wrong, like it, it always comes down to that. Like, if I'm wrong, if I does some, if I do something wrong, I will be, yeah, punished or I'll lose something, lose love, lose relationships. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, I've always been, like, such a good girl, such a good girl in the family, such a good girl at school, such a... It's not about perfection, because that is not the thing. It's more about, really, I'm so afraid of, yeah, being, like, doing something bad, doing something wrong. I think what's really beautiful to see about that is a couple things. One is that as much as it is tied to the money, it's not. Like it feels so about money and it just happens that money is the thing that's mirroring that or showing you that right now, but it's so much not about the money at the same time. And I think that's always helpful to see because it, you know, it can bring down the charge even just like this much because it's like, well, it is about it, but it's not. But I think that all that's happening is that money has opened up let's say 15 questions you have to answer. And so now it's just created 15 ways you can get it wrong. And that's just the activation point, right? So it could be insert any other thing there that was happening in the business that you had to answer 15 questions about, or maybe more importantly, that was happening in life, right? And it might feel the same level of charge. Does that feel true? So I think it's really helpful here to just like even hear Erica listing out so many of the things that she has to like deal with or decide on because I think it's really true that so many like responsibilities and questions come up with more money and acknowledging that is really important, right? Because there is this kind of messaging I think that happens just in general, but definitely in our space that, you know, like once you have more money every problem disappears. And and what I think happens is the problems change. Certain problems definitely do disappear and other new ones emerge. And sometimes when we're not prepared for or expecting new ones to emerge, it can feel really, really jarring and it can feel like we're doing something wrong. And so just, you know, the acknowledgement of, of course, more responsibility and questions comes up, of course, new 
challenge points that will navigate come up is really, really helpful in seeing like nothing has gone wrong here. You've just hit a new level. And if you can see the challenge as indicative of a new level, it truly does get easier. But if you're expecting yourself to get to a new level and experience no challenges, of course, it's going to feel super, super uh, triggering and jarring. So just really want to normalize that, that that's been true you know, for me and for all the clients that I've worked with at, at so many different stages of our business journey and our money journey that more and more questions, more and more responsibility, more and more decisions come up from that. And that is totally normal and it's okay. And part of the way to grow and make more is to trust yourself in all of those decisions. I also just want to mention one thing before I forget, because it does come up in this episode. And so I don't know if I've ever talked about it on here. I'm pretty sure I have, but Erica mentioned like choosing the podcast route because she liked the idea of like not fully having to commit to the investment. And so just wanted to be transparent there and share that podcast participants pay 10% of new revenue, but they don't pay base rate. So I waive base rate for anyone that chooses to be on the podcast, because obviously that's a big undertaking, but we still do percentage because that is part of my business model. I really believe in it. I think it's important. And so we do that here. So anyway, just wanted to context that for when she mentions it. So y'all know what we're talking about there. Yeah, I think so. Um, but what I thought Obviously now, money is a big one because there's so much yeah, riding on it is the thing, right? Exactly. And I think, you know, what I've felt a lot in my life is that money is finite. Um, mm-hmm. And I never had, like, I had money in the bank account, but it didn't, like, that I inherited. But I've been afraid using it because what if I'm wrong? Because I got it from my grandparents and, like the disappointment if I spent it on the wrong thing or like invested it in something that was wrong. And so there's this almost like I, I, I freeze, like I, I literally freeze and just become so avoidant. And then Mm -hmm. that leads to bad situations or bad things or like where you get it, where you get it wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So it's become like I've practiced a really negative pattern and so now it's created even more charge around it and I freeze even more because I I have gotten it wrong and it has created some negative consequences by being so avoidant when I really had to lean in and and uh and just sit with it um we've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about this so you know a little bit more about the the story there but yeah I get emotional because it's just it's hard yeah and, and you know what I'm going to say here, but I have to say it, but you just totally haven't forgiven yourself for that. I don't know if it feels like, I just feel like a child. Like I can't, like I act like a child. Yeah. I feel like a child. Like I, like where is the strong, empowered, intelligent woman? Like she's just she disappears and i'm I, that's why it feels like it's this young like almost like traumatized little child that's like fuck this is way beyond what way beyond me what do you think she's wanting someone to say to her what did you say what do you think she's wanting someone to say to her or someone to help her with I guess that she'll be loved even if she's wrong and that she'll be loved even if she's like 
not good or even if she experiments and fucks up and if she's naughty or yeah if she doesn't get it right she'll still be she'll still be loved she'll still belong yeah i think that's exactly it right because right now the the stakes are too high Mm. Yeah. If you make this one wrong choice on whatever, where where you're spending this extra money you've created, everything can go away. Your love, your um, being in the community or whatever, however we, we frame that, your ability to be seen, to be supported, to connect. Like there's so much riding on that, which is really, really, really heavy and really unfair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what would I like to start telling her that a lot? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, it would just be to to tell myself that over and over and over again, um, and that's kind of why I sometimes feel like I just want to like lose the money so that I'll have evidence that I will be fine. But like, I don't want to <laughs> like how. <laughs> how unnecessary as well (laughs) you know it's not I don't want to necessarily have to go through that practical step um well and and that would really depend right like you would have to get it so wrong that you lost it like if you just randomly lost it through other means or something you still wouldn't get the same experience that you're after do you know what I'm saying like the experience or the evidence let's say that you're wanting is to see that you can fuck it up and still be loved. Yeah. But you know that that piece that you were mentioning to me about how I have a little more backstory there. I think you do have some evidence there that you can fuck it up and still be loved. Yeah. But it's the same. Uh, but I get as freaked out and scared every time the conversation comes up. And I... Mm-hmm. And even inside of me when I'm like... Two months ago, I wanted to research different um, accounts, like business accounts, where I can that I can open mm-hmm. in my bank to start like saving money and invest money, and I've just avoided it for two months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to. Yeah, I just yeah, I don't want to have this disempowered relationship with it. Um, I don't want to feel like I become a child every time it gets a little bit like, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to, first of all, I don't want to feel like, like money is finite, um, which I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we've proved that we can, that I can, you know, through this work create amazing like financial monetary results and things um but it feels like i'm so stuck uh, because this yeah this little child inside of me is well i think there's almost like two layers here right you can prove that you can make money but now you have to prove that you can have money <laughs> and those are different things almost right yeah 
And so I think you've done this beautiful journey of proving to yourself that you can make money. And so I feel like this next layer is being like, I don't have to keep proving that I can make money. Like that will just keep happening because I will keep showing up and doing the things, right? But I really get to prove that I can have money, which, you know, is a different layer and obviously takes more of this self-trust of this empowerment. But, you know, the thing with feeling like a child in it, I think is like maybe being a little careful not to make that too wrong, but to just notice that like, it's just because there's a craving there. So it's not like, oh my God, how do I just stop being such a child about this? Like get over it, move on. It's almost like that child's not going away until she gets what she needs. And so my job is to be a little less pissed at her and a little more loving to her. Yeah. So I think what's really beautiful to see here is like when we feel like a child in a situation, it's so easy to make ourselves wrong, you know, to kind of do that thing where we're like, oh my gosh, I'm acting like such a child here. I'm being so childish here. Right. And and we can really beat ourselves up and kind of miss the point, which is that when we do feel like a child, what we really need to do is speak to and acknowledge that child. And obviously that can sound so woo and ridiculous and yet it's so important and it works so effectively and so i just really want to mention that here like your situation that you feel super like you revert to that little child inside you might have nothing to do with money it might have to do with something completely different but most of us have some situation that really activates that in us and we're so quick to beat ourselves up for it and feel like really bad about it or like there's obviously something wrong with us for it. And what I see again and again is the more we nurture that child, speech that child, know what that child was craving and, and wanted and give that to her like Erica is identifying here, the more we are able to transition into the adult in that situation because we've really taken care of that. So just permission there that if you have a situation where you're feeling similar, the point isn't to look at how much you fucked it up. The point is to speak to and acknowledge that child within you so that you can move forward as the adult and as the empowered human that you are in that situation. You're giving me the like, I know you're right and I don't like it <laughs> face. <laughs> I am. Um, I guess it's because it just feels so similar to the work I do with my clients that it feels almost like ironic to mm -hmm. yeah to realize that I am not like practicing what I'm what I teach others but I you know it's a blind it's been a blind spot or just yeah it's just hard when it's so so inside of me well we have it in different areas like you've really healed so much of that as it relates to like your sexuality. And so you're helping your clients do that. You just have another layer that's popping up here as it relates to money. And even though it's like the same mechanism, it's still very different, right? Yeah, it is. And I never really have had, like, I don't know how much it matters really, but I think it does because I see the same connection in sexuality with like having role models uh and specifically female role models like teaching you mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. 
my mother is super avoidant to money. It's always been my dad mm. making all the decisions. He's been taking, you know, he's he's made good good choices um, in general over the you know four decades since they had like my my sister is forty plus, um, and so they've been able to create a really good living standard for themselves based on that but i've never mm-hmm. seen my money as really being my my, my mom see i've never seen her actively be part of it and she's super avoidant and she's become so scared and it feels like yeah. part of it is me being that scared little little girl to to fuck things up and do it wrong and part of it is also that like implicit a learning um yeah uh, the modeling you had is like you probably won't be good at this you probably won't know much about this right yeah it's scary and it's you know it's also the i guess it's the practical division that they made of the household like she did some things he did other things he still pays all the bills he still like makes pretty like he He's always been the one pushing for taking risks and some financial risks and investments and buying things. And she's always been the one to hold him back and mm. and doubt and hesitate and fear it. And then in the end, it always turns out so well. And she's so happy that he kind of forced her to do it. And that's where I see myself becoming her in that way. Yeah. Um. And And I know where it's going and it's not where I want to go right like you can see you have the evidence of where that where that leads right yeah so what would you love for your role to be there like I think that's a really good question point like what what do you want your role with money to be in your relationship in your family in your business in your life like obviously you know it's not that but what do you actually want it to be The first thing that comes to mind is that I want to feel like it's a tool, uh, mm-hmm. that it's, and it's a, also a skill that you learn, because I think I have this idea. I think it's also strong social or like cultural narrative that either you're good with money or you're not, either you have it or you mm-hmm. don't, like either you know how to invest or you don't, and it's like this magical, magical thing. It's like this innate thing that you're born with or not, so... And of course, well, I can, I can totally vouch for the fact that that's not true just from personal experience, but I completely agree. Like, it's very much like it would be easy for you to almost like assume the identity of like, quote unquote, someone who's not good with money. And that just carries on versus like assuming the identity of like someone who's learning skills around money. Yeah. So I think it's really fair to say that in these last six months, Erica has really nailed the layer of making money, right? So like that top layer of making it is is locked in. She really knows how to launch, how to turn things around, how to stay in it, how to make, you know, consistent five-figure months in her business well beyond, right? And so that's awesome to see. And I think sometimes it feels like that's where the story ends or that's where the 
transformation ends, but what it really does, it just reveals the layer underneath that, which is what does it look like to not just make it, but keep it and have it and manage it, right? So, you know, just like she was mentioning earlier that she nailed the weirdness around money that she was kind of experiencing more socially, now she is addressing it more internally and more deeply. So I think it's just really important to see that there are usually layers to things like this. And sometimes the, the trick that happens is that we think because we've nailed one, there shouldn't be more. And the truth is, as soon as we nail one, sometimes another one reveals itself. And if we can be okay with that being part of the journey, it gets easier and easier to navigate. And so again, what I'd really come back to here is like, number one, we have to normalize it. And number two, we have to not make ourselves wrong. Like you, of course you can't normalize having or managing money until you've made it, right? So Erica's on a beautiful trajectory and anyone that's listening to this that resonates with that, you haven't gotten it wrong somehow, right? Of course we have to be in the position to really bring it in, to be in the position to have to figure out how to have it, hold it and know what to do with it. So really just want to share that and normalize the fact that those are just skill sets you can learn over time and each new layer will just reveal itself as a new skill set that you get to um, lean into and obviously new mindset work you get to do. So there's that. Um, and what else? Um, what, yeah. And what would you like your role to be? Like, do you want to be the main manager of the money? Do you not? Like, what do you see that? <laughs> no, I don't. But I want to be an active participant. Mm -hmm. And I and I want to feel more like I I'm I'm not just a like I I, I don't just like hodl, <laughs> but like I actually manage. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might be like really interesting to like get into the specifics of that and almost start to like play with that experience. Like I'm just making something up, but say like your participation in that looks like you and your husband having a, a financial conversation every two weeks or something like that. And almost like starting that as like a, I can see that's the identity I want. So how do I start to embody it now? Even if I feel like I'm entering that conversation with like a lot of tension and uncertainty and whatever still, but I'm like putting myself in the position of being that person. Yeah. How do you think about that? Yeah. And like, maybe you can only hold it for five minutes at first, you know? Maybe it's like from 10 to 10.05, we have this and that's like all I have capacity for. But two weeks from now, maybe I'll have capacity for 12 minutes or what, like it's almost just like letting yourself go there without it having to be this big jump. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to experiment with that and see what that looks like. I think, first of all, I, I also want to, um, like feel more empowered to research, research things on my own. Like this thing about, you know, setting up, there are different names and different types of accounts, um, that you can open in a business to, to save or invest money to like 
to look it up and actually read. Like I'm not stupid. I can, and I can read. So just doing more of that kind of, I don't know, legwork myself also. Um, Let me ask you this. I'm not sure. I don't have like an opinion here one way or the other. I'm just kind of curious what you think, but I think that that could be true. And I think that you could also be like expecting yourself to go pretty zero to 60 here. <laughs> mm. Um, Like, I wonder if like step one is like, do you meet with a financial advisor or somebody who has literally just knowledge or expertise in this area that you haven't researched yet where they can kind of provide you some of that information? It's almost like having a business coach where like, you can have a coach and still be really fucking empowered, but they might just have like some knowledge or expertise that you haven't yet acquired. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that's maybe like a better bridge versus it being almost like, well, now it's all on Erica to go research it all and learn it all and make all the right choices. Like, I wonder if that's creating more heaviness. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And now I feel like there's not a lot of time to reach out to someone mm-hmm. and find mm-hmm. someone and have that conversation with them before before the end of the year. Um, but I'll see. I'll look it up. I'm I'm part of this like um, entrepreneur um, organization or um, maybe they have some resources I could start there I could ask them yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and also like it's totally possible that the vast majority of people wait until this time of year and so maybe there's someone that has plenty of time open to meet with you because they're an expectation of that again it doesn't have to be but I think it's just seeing that like you can be really empowered and you can really get some support here without it feeling like the entire weight of it is on you. Something really, really important here is to see how we can be empowered with support. I think that sometimes our brains think that it's so one way or the other. We're either kind of outsourcing our power to someone else or we're doing it all on our own. And the truth is we don't need to do it all on our own to feel empowered. In fact, the best support makes us feel empowered, right? I feel like some of my most important work and biggest job as a coach is to help my clients feel really, really, really empowered, right? And so it's the support that can help them feel that. And the same is true with this situation with Erica. Like she could feel very empowered by having an expert on her side that has like navigated so many of these financial things for so long as opposed to feeling like the only way to be empowered is to learn it all and figure it all out on her own and it's just such a trap that a lot of us high achievers fall into is this idea that like it almost doesn't count unless we like you know hacked it all ourselves and that's just not true and i think we do that in business too you know where it's like either gonna get a coach and just like do everything they say and like that's just that or I'm gonna like navigate it all and figure it out myself. And that middle ground of I'm gonna get support and I'm going to use that support to deeply trust myself and step more and more into my CEO shoes, that's the magic. So whether that's for money or for business or for anything else, 
Just remember that being empowered doesn't have to look like doing it on your own. Sometimes being empowered looks like getting the support to help you get there. Yeah, and I think that's where I go also. I have this tendency to go avoid, 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 and then yeah. like jump into the deep end, which is obviously quite an like like also a bit of an island behavior. Um Right. Now it's like I will figure it all out or I will avoid it all versus like, what? right, what's the bridge? Can I meet with my husband for five minutes? Can I look up a financial planner? Can I like, those are almost the things your brain is going to tell you not to do because they're the most uncomfortable in some ways. But they're really that craving of showing yourself, I can be seen, I can be supported, I can have questions and not always get it right. And these other humans can still show up for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because I have an accountant, but she doesn't do, like, she doesn't uh, really come with suggestions. Like, that's not really her job and what she feels comfortable doing. It's outside her scope of practice. Um, So it would have to be someone else. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll look into that because it could be that this membership organization actually have some resources. that would be a start. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And I think it would be a really beautiful way to like give yourself grace through this because there's this way you could do that thing where you like head down, hustle through it, make the decisions, figure it out. Da-da. And and then there's this way to like love that little girl through it where you keep reminding her she's loved and supported and seen. And like, we just want to make sure that there's a little more of that than, than the previous, because if not, she still doesn't get nurtured. She still doesn't feel safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's interesting. Like, it just now there's all this um, money in the bank account, and when I look at it, it feels safe to know that it's there, but it feels really not safe to like touch it or do something with it mm-hmm. and like actually manage it. Like that feels really. Almost also like I'm not really allowed. Let's do a, a quick parallel because I think it's relevant. But I imagine at some point business felt something like that. Like I know I have this skill set and having this skill set makes me feel safe. But am I really allowed to build a business on it? And am I really allowed to like say I'm an expert? And am I really like going to like run with this and build something? Like where what pieces feel similar to that uh yeah i guess i remember when i started my instagram account it was that feeling that like who am i to talk about these things can what do i want to call myself yeah am am i allowed to have an opinion have a voice what 
to say I'm an expert. Um, yeah, to not only to hold it, but actually like use it in a way. Yes. To hold the skill set is one thing, but then to use it is another. And I think a little bit of the money thing, like to make it is one thing, but to like manage it and have it is another, right? Yeah. So I feel like that's helpful to see just because there's not so much truth to the fact that you aren't allowed to touch money or that you're not going to be good at it. It's just seeing like what another level you've reached with this, just like in business, there wasn't actually any truth to the fact that like, who were you to have an Instagram (laughs) talking about this? Mm -hmm. It just was the layer you had to move through at that time as you gained more and more um, followers or whatever. And I think it's so similar here. Like this is just one of those pieces that, you know, probably a couple of years from now, you'll look back on this recording and be like, Oh my God, that's so interesting. I barely even remember like the charge of that. So something that I do a lot and really love in coaching is using parallels that feel less charged. So for example, Erica's answers around money were so clear when we looked at it through the lens of what she'd moved through in business. Right. But sometimes it's really hard to keep talking about the thing that already feels so charged and find clarity there because it's so charged. It makes sense. Right. But when we can take two steps back and find another situation where we've maybe navigated this or built evidence around this or had a parallel experience and that situation is no longer super activated or charged, it can give us so much information and it can really breed self-trust. Like obviously I could have used a totally different example that had nothing to do with Erica, but the point of finding that parallel within an experience that she already had was to show her evidence that she can trust herself and can navigate this and has navigated really similar things. So I think sometimes if you're kind of feeling like a situation with a client is feeling really activated, being able to move it to a parallel and help them look at that. It's not avoiding the conversation, but it's really helping them create some clarity for themselves and create some neutrality. So that is just something I love to do. And I think it's really, really, really helpful. I hope I'll feel that way. (laughs) Guaranteed. (laughs) Uh, Because I'm really fed up feeling this way. Um, what made it what made you able to work through that in the business um, i guess knowing knowing that i had the skill set mm-hmm. um feeling like it would be such a waste if i didn't use it Mm. Oh, you just said a whole mouthful right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And taking small steps and really taking the pressure off those small steps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just gave yourself the whole hack. Right? Yes. Like, I mean, literally, you just answered every single question that you could have there. 
Yeah, I realized that. Right? Take, <laughs> take the pressure off the small steps. See that it would be such a waste not to use it. See that you have the, the skill set, which you really do, you know? You might need some additional knowledge just like you did in business. But, like, you inherently have the smarts and the uh, abilities and the, all of the, the resources at your fingertips to, to be able to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I need to give myself that permission to do it. Um, to accept that it's a, so it's, it will feel like a pretty steep learning curve, and to really take care of this little little child inside of me um, who gets freaked out mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And really give her a lot of permission for that. Like, she has a lot of reasons for that, you know? Like, it's not this annoyance thing. It's like this lots of programming has gone into that thing. And so the more you can kind of be like, of course she feels that way and validate that, I think the faster you move through that. Kind of like when you almost had that conversation with your uh, your younger self, too, about like the – uh, you know, scheduling kind of conflicts you were going through and like needing it to always be so spontaneous and all of that. And it's like, that all just made so much sense. And as soon as it like made sense and you gave permission for that, it like dissipated a little bit. Yeah. Versus when you were like fighting it so hard, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it also feels feels challenging. <laughs> it feels really challenging. But I wonder all- if it's a, if if the point is making that okay. Yeah, I think so because the uh, the the opposite is like doing nothing, which is even even worse in a way because that's also creating a lot of tension and yeah um a lot of cha- a lot of other types of challenges too i think that the thing with that too is that like sometimes we can feel like oh my gosh i would have to work through all my mindset shit and all my nervous system shit and all blah 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 to like even be able to like take that first step and the irony is like the way we work through our mindset shit and our nervous system shit is to like be in the doing. So again, it might be like you having a five minute meeting or you researching something for 10 minutes that you have capacity for, but it's almost like that's what helps the healing versus like waiting for the healing to happen to do that. Right. Yeah. I imagine very similar to pleasure practices you're teaching. (laughs) Absolutely. I guess I just have to apply the same technique. Or like the same approach and mindset mm-hmm. to this. Um, and I just also think that, you know, going through all of this during the pandemic, my nervous system has been in a freeze as well. So it's made it so Absolutely. much harder with all of the financial, political stress and worry and 
um, all of that. So I feel like in general, my nervous system is in a state of freeze just because of how, how crazy everything is. And there is this constant like sense of doom and threat and all of that. Um, lots of fear mongering and silly stuff. And so it's also sometimes I feel like it's hard to know what's what inside. Um, that gets activated a lot. Um, and so, yeah, it's just really reminding myself to regulate my nervous system several times per day, I think. (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah. And, and really it's almost like those, those things happen so that I can do the challenging thing, right? Like I regulate my nervous system. I talk to my little girl. I give myself grace and permission and then I do the hard thing, (laughs) right? So something we're talking about here that I think is really important is that sometimes we have to make the challenging okay and normalize that it's challenging and not wait to take action until it doesn't feel challenging. I see so many people keep themselves stuck in business because of this. They're waiting until they like do enough mindset work so the thing doesn't feel like a challenge or they're waiting until, you know, like XYZ thing changes so that doesn't feel challenging anymore so then I can do it. And listen, I'm the biggest fan of mindset work in the world. Y'all know that, but I am definitely not a fan of waiting to take the action until it doesn't feel challenging because in some ways that even prevents you from doing the mindset work. Sometimes the way we can deeply dive into mindset is by being in the action and seeing what comes up there. If we're always waiting until it already feels okay, we're either going to be waiting for forever (laughs) or we're missing the moment to like really lean in and do the work. Like if Erica waited forever until money didn't feel like challenging, she would be backed into a corner in many ways because the way to make it not feel challenging is to address it, right? So you can see how that can be a trap we back ourselves into a lot. And sometimes all the mindset work in the world doesn't make up for being in the action and building the evidence, right? Like I could do all the mindset work in the whole wide world about like not being scared of flying but like the rubber doesn't meet the road until my ass is on a plane, you know? (laughs) And this is kind of similar. So if we can just normalize the challenge instead of making the challenge wrong, it's easier to take the action. Like, can it be okay that you're scared getting on the plane? Can it be okay that money still feels really activating? Maybe you can only talk about it for five minutes or whatever. Yes, that can be okay. And then we can still move through it. If that's not okay, I'm never gonna get there. So look at where you might be doing that in your own life or business. Where are you telling yourself that it's not okay you feel challenged so you feel like you have to wait on something and see what could shift there? Yeah, I need to, I want to incorporate that more into my my daily, my daily, well, or set up a daily routine with that included, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're in an interesting space because for the most part, you're kind of, I mean, I know we're doing um, a few more days of pleasure treats, but you're sort of like wrapped for the year for all intents and purposes, right? Mm. So 
I feel like it's interesting because you don't have that top layer shit to distract yourself with. Like it's so much easier to worry about a launch than it is to have to like regulate and handle this money stuff. Right. And so you're kind of in this like really perfect season where you can't use any other business distraction. Like we've talked about a little bit, uh, you almost have to go in it. So I think that's like really triggering and really helpful at the same time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's much easier to, it's also easier to deal with those things because I know them and I feel more comfortable with them. And even though they are challenging, it's like, I know how to deal with that. Uh, And they're more concrete and they feel like they give kind of like more immediate results and feedback and all of that. Whereas this feels deeper and more abstract and murkier and just like, yeah, like basement level stuff, like that kind of stuff. Totally. Yes, absolutely. But lucky for you, you love the deep murky basement. Oh, but but do I really? (laughs) Like, (laughs) you're like, at this moment, I feel in question around that. (laughs) I'd rather do airy fairy bypassing stuff right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. That's totally fair. But I think in your core, you are built for the deep, murky basement level shit. No, you're right. I keep reminding myself like the obstacle is the way. The obstacle is the way. Like this is this is meant to happen. This is what needs to happen. It's not going away. You can't avoid it forever. Um I think the good news is it'll never feel as hard as it feels now. Yeah. Just like nothing really ever feels as hard as your first launch or nothing's ever going to feel quite as charged as that first time that you've made a lot of money and now have to make all of these decisions around it. So even just remembering that I think is really helpful. Yeah, that is a good thing to remember. Um, Because what, this year I have like – 10 or 20k that I need to make decisions around and next year maybe I'll have lots more and so but you'll have the foundation of what you decided this year to inform next year just like you have the foundation of a launch to inform the next launch you know what I mean and that's where it gets so different Mm -hmm. yeah you're just missing that right now and so it makes sense that it feels heavier This idea of it will never be as hard as it is now is such a useful frame, like such a useful frame in so many things. Personally, I've used that a lot in my business and I speak to clients about it a lot. Like I even think about like, it's never as hard to get a client as it is those first couple times. It's never as hard to launch as it is those first couple times. It's never as hard to even this, like, I'll tell you what, season five of this podcast is never going to be as hard as season one was, right? So it's just really cool to have that frame for yourself because it really gives you the motivation to move forward. I think when we think, well, this thing is always going to be this hard, it really makes us want to run away from it, want to avoid, want to freeze, right? 
when we can see, oh, it would just be hard for this short period and then it would just get easier and easier, which almost everything does, right? Everything in business gets easier. Like it is so much easier for me to write content, to record this podcast, to coach my clients, to make tough decisions, to handle the money stuff. Like I could go on and on. All of that is never as hard as it was the first time I had to do it. And so when you can remind yourself that when you're in the first time you have to do it, it really becomes more worth it. And I think that's super important. If when you're in it that first time, you're like, oh my God, this is just what launching is like. It's so easy to trick yourself into being like, and so I will never do it again, (laughs) right? Or like that first time you get visible, if you decide that's what it's gonna feel like every time, damn, you might as well just not, right? But if you can decide it will never be as hard as it is now, it's amazing how much that propels you forward. So whatever situation you have or kind of like just stepping into for the first time, I really, really would encourage you to try this right. There's also this um, sense or like, I don't know, like I wish I'd done this sooner. Why didn't I like open my eyes and wake up to this like 10 years ago, blah, blah, blah. But that's a silly thought. That doesn't help. Well, you didn't have this problem 10 years ago. (laughs) No, that's true. But still, like I could have, you know, saved money and invested in something like, you know, like I could have been more proactive about things, but that it's just, it's such a th- silly thought. I just say it because it came through and I know it's yeah, absolutely yeah. irrelevant. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Just speaking it, letting it go. I think sometimes that's why it's hard for us to work through some of these things though, because it's almost like, what does it mean about the past? Like, even when people get like really, really empowered or like really realize like how much they are like at creation in their life or whatever. I think sometimes they can resist that because they look back on the years prior to that and that it feels like that means something. So I think it totally makes sense. Like there's part of you that wants to figure it out and there's part of you that's like, ooh, but what will that mean about the last 10 years, right? Yeah, it's the same with pleasure. That's why a lot of people, women avoid doing something because then they have to grieve the decades of being disconnected or make peace with that Mm. it's it's the same yeah yeah and i think this definitely is part of that like and and part of that forgiveness of yourself too right Mm. yeah yeah all right i'll survive this i'll (laughs) i'll head into the basement fuck there's nothing better than having this recorded too, because I, I promise you, you're going to forget how intense this felt. Well, I haven't listened to any and of to our episodes back and yet, listen. but maybe I will. Maybe I will go back at some point listening. Yeah. I haven't, I've only listened to your solo episodes when you talk about me in third per- person. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what is this bitch saying? I got to at least listen to these. <laughs> Yeah, because I kind of like that. lost one of my favorite podcasts because I came on the podcast. <laughs> so been... That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I need something. <laughs> yeah. But maybe uh, well, maybe in two, three years, I'll come back and I'll listen to the episodes and I will like relish in the expansion that I've made. 
I am positive that that is what's going to happen. Absolutely positive. I'm so proud of you. And also like, thank you for this beautiful experience and this beautiful last session for this, because I feel like you have just brought so much grace and vulnerability and transparency to this. I just couldn't have imagined it to go any better. And I'm so grateful for you. We'll, we'll do a wrap up and everything, but I just had to say that because this was so beautiful and I just appreciate you more than I can say. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, um, yeah, cue vulnerability hangover. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Okay. So what is, what is step one from this? Uh, step one. You're going to look up the, the resources. Look up your, yeah, with that um, entrepreneur community there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I look up that. And then I think, um, I think actually the most important step is just uh, connecting with my inner child and nervous system regulation. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm so proud of you. Keep me posted, obviously. I know this isn't our end and obviously my support is still open in base camp. So you uh, keep me posted on how this is feeling. We will talk this week try to not do the thing where you avoid it, but to actually tell me like, Hey, here's what's happening. Hey, I contacted this person or, Hey, I like tried to do this inner child work and it's like really triggering me. Whatever. Here for it. Okay. We'll do. Beautiful. All right. right. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to literally. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. So please leave us a review. Each month, I'll be picking reviewers to give a free session of their own to as a thank you. And remember, sharing is caring. If you know someone who'd benefit from this podcast on their own entrepreneurial journey, please share it with them. What I know we need more of in this world is women living let up lives and running businesses they love and are beautifully compensated for. If you want to hear more stories of women who have gotten killer results in their business, plus the mindset strategy and execution that got them there, download my free case study series, The Client Files. You'll read about several women's unique journeys to success and exactly how they did it. Plus, you'll be inspired to find the path that fits you. Just go to alituplife.com forward slash clients to sign up.